From the Ron McKeefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Darcy talks to us about how he manages the programming and coaching of multiple sports, including football, as a Division I head strength conditioning coach. His hiring process when looking for quality coaches that are looking to join his staff and how he became a better administrator to keep his strength and conditioning program moving forward. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Buley. Coach Buley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of, of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that a step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more tra- uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed working and learning and talking to other people and, and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Dan Darcy. He's currently the head strength conditioning coach at Lamar University. Prior to this, he was an assistant strength and conditioning coach at Northern Arizona University, and he's also had stops at the University of Texas, Central Connecticut State, and Canisius College. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thanks, Jose. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Could you tell us a little bit more about your role at Lamar University? Yeah, so I oversee 17 sports, um, as well as a full-time staff member. So there's two full-timers, count myself, uh, three graduate assistants, and this has all kind of evolved over time. Um, and we also have a part-time dietitian uh, on staff, so really fortunate to have um, have that. And we have a little army of nutrition assistants that help uh, under her as well. And uh, we'll take on anywhere from one to three interns. I usually I look for quality over quantity in those. Um, and, and then I, I really let my staff do their job. I let them coach. That's what I call the small school advantage. Uh, we're Division One, but we're still a small program, 17 sports and five of us. So I, I give them their teams. I say, you're the head strength coach of this team. You go do it. Um, give them some guidance along the way. But they're going to they're gonna um, get burned a little bit, but they're not going to they're not going to completely fail and fall on their face. So I give them an opportunity to succeed um, 
while failing along the way a little bit. Uh, and, and then the rest of that is just, uh, it ties into some administrative stuff too. And that's again, evolved since I've been here, um, sitting in with our senior staff meetings, especially this past year, uh, kind of what we've gone through, uh, the, the pro to that for me, is the opportunity to sit down and speak with our AD on a weekly, sometimes bi-weekly basis. So it's, um, it, it's very regular. And I think that's built a lot of trust and, um, credibility for our department as a whole and, and our staff as a whole and kind of what we do and uh, is creating a new respect ultimately. No, absolutely. And that, you know, that is a lot of teams for, especially for you. So I, I'm, I know you have seven teams, one of them is football. So there's a couple hundred athletes right, right off the clip. And then you have six other teams, you know, how do you manage all those athletes? That's, that's a, that's a tough task to uh, get done. Yeah, so when I first came to Lamar, it was literally just focus on the weight room. That's all that mattered. It was me. I uh, inherited a full-timer and two half-GAs. They were splitting a stipend, and the other one had a um, a room and board, or a, a tuition waiver, rather. And so that wasn't the right way to do it. So we've been able to grow it from uh, really a one full-GA position to now three. And um, that full-timer role, being able to move that salary up uh, a little bit as we go. Um, so basically I came in and I had seven teams right from the start, men's, women's, basketball, football, softball, volleyball, probably leaving one off men's golf, I think was the other one. And so literally I lived in the weight room. Uh, there was a point in the day where men's basketball would come in, they would lift. I'd run, literally run out to the field. Uh, unfortunately it's connected to our facility, warm up football and run right back in, uh, uh, for women's basketball. So it was a, a lift, a warm up for practice and another lift. And so that was just kind of the day and start early and finish late. Um, we were able to build some credibility, went through an athletic director change um, as well. And in that, that transition, they, they kind of saw the, the work that was being done and, and we gained a lot of respect from our administration just throughout that time period and the, the hiring committee that brought me in. And when I went and asked for a GA, they said, just write up a, a justification of why you need it. Like we see it, we know why you need it, but write it. So it actually um, can carry some weight as we move forward. And fortunately I'd had some experience uh, doing that. Just kind of looking over uh, Cody Hodgson's shoulder uh, when at Northern Arizona as an assistant to, to even know how to go about a justification. Cause that sounds very intimidating when you first hear it and you've never written one before. So that was the biggest piece. And then the other one, uh, that, like I touched on, is just given my GAs, the, uh, the, the opportunity to coach, uh, absolutely. They made a bunch of mistakes, but I initiated the, the conversation when you come into a new program, especially as a head, I think you need to sit down one-on-one -on -one with every single sport coach. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's football or golf or on down the list. There's no priority, uh, to having a conversation. Uh, you got to have a conversation with all those folks, let them know that their sport's important, that they, that you value them. Uh, we have one weight room. It's about 8,000 square feet, 16 racks, and we need to get everybody in, which is almost 400 athletes uh, on, a, on almost a daily basis, if not every other day. So letting them all know that they're important, that it, they matter, uh, that they're all going to get coaching. Uh, we don't, uh, outside of track and field, which is just kind of the culture where they come in men's and women's, no other men's and women's teams comes in together because I'll have the same coach for men's and women's golf. And uh, so they asked for the same time. I said, well, you got the same coach. That's not going to work. You want your team to have the that coach hundred percent for them. Correct. And I go, oh, yeah, of course. So 
that, that kind of helped the coaches understand that they'll get more attention. Um, but it also helped us when we were scheduling the room, um, making sure that it flows. And then you've got GAs who have to go to class. So you got to make sure you don't give them evening teams. And so there's all those little quirks along the way that you got to kind of learn and, and figure out and work through. Uh, and for the first few years, I was also the, the quote, dietitian. I uh, took a nutrition class, so I'm now the dietitian, like many of us are, smaller program. And uh, our, our athletic director wanted, our new one wanted a nutrition center. Uh, football had already kind of pushed the envelope of getting some things brought in, some PB&Js made on campus, and the AD wanted to make that for everybody. Okay, let's do it. But now I'm going to need somebody to help run it. And so I was able to kind of use some of that growth opportunity um, from, from a facility standpoint to therefore, um, push to have more staffing. No, definitely. And so I, I let my coaches do their job. That, that's how I manage it. And, and yeah, that's a lot of good stuff right there that I'd like to unpack. And when it comes to your, your GA, and I know I'm pretty similar with my assistants and my part-time assistants, that's your team. You are the the director of men's tennis or whatever it may be. I just don't want to hear about it. Like handle your business like a, a director would. How do you go about finding those individuals? Cause I know it could be a dice roll when it comes to a graduate assistant, getting somebody in their quality that you said you can trust to get that done. Like what's, how do you go about finding those assistants? Yeah, I've just had my, my recent assistant who's been with me almost two years now sit in on this process. Most recently, he thinks I'm nuts. I'm so meticulous and I'm so strategic on, on what I'm looking for and why I want to ask a certain question, the response that they give and the tone they give it, it all matters. Every single component matters. And this goes back to NAU as well. And this is what you got to do as a good assistant or even as a, an intern GA. Uh, you want to be a head strength coach, right? Everybody says they want to, just like I did um, 12 some odd years ago. You've got to put a lens on that allows you to see what else is going on. Coaching your teams is the easy part. That's the fun part. That's exciting. What? How, how do you do all those other things behind the scenes? You know they're happening, but you don't really understand what they are, how they're getting done. You've got to go go ask that coach what they're doing or how they're doing it, how they're managing this stuff. And you realize there's a lot more going on behind the scenes. Uh, for me, um, and, and this is just me and Cody Hodgson really sitting down and talking through this. He's like, I want somebody who's blue collar. And him and I both um, came from JUCO programs. And we, we kind of had to take a, a rough road to get to where we are. Uh, we had to face some adversity in life. Um, so it doesn't just mean you have to grow up on a farm. Like you can, you can be in a city, but something in life didn't go your way. You've already overcome it because that's exactly what a strength conditioning coach is going to have to do. You're going to have to overcome adversity every day, uh, every semester. We're in this right now. The ones that are succeeding the most during this COVID time are the ones that have already faced adversity before, and they're just going to keep plowing through and uh, fighting through. So uh, that that's valuable to me. And, and I listen for that in their answers, in their examples. Uh, and, and when I'm, when I'm filtering through the process, I check social media. I say that I'm not very good with social media, but I have a staff that is, and they help me work through those. Uh, if you got a bunch of pictures where you're on the beach and you just got bathing suit guys, you're not wearing shirts, and that's the majority of your social media, that's just, it's not professional. It doesn't carry the professionalism that I'm looking for. Because again, I'm going to put you basically out on an island and let you coach and go. I have to be able to trust that you're going to act appropriately that you're going to speak appropriately professionally uh, and, and handle 
um, male, female, it doesn't matter. I should be able to put you in front of any team and you should be able to handle your business. And then just some of the on paper things, the more teams, the, the more experience you can get, the better. If you've played football, you've worked at two football programs and that's all you've done, then that's really all I view you as being capable of doing at that time. And I, I really value small schools, whether it's a JUCO, whether it's um, I, I recently just hired a GA who played D2 football and then immediately uh, volunteered and interned there and actually got to coach teams because there was one strength coach. Like that, that's a pretty cool deal. I mean, you got in early, you figured it out, you've made plenty of mistakes and they were able to share those in the interview. Like, hey, you're, you're further ahead than what your experience level says. Okay, you've been doing it for two years, but you've got about four years worth of experience because you immersed yourself in it immediately and made a bunch of mistakes. And you're going to make mistakes with me, but they can't be big mistakes um, when you start getting paid. So you, you got to treat it like when you're an intern to uh, being able to handle your business and treat it as if you were getting paid. Uh, that that's the way you're going to create an opportunity for yourself down the road. So I could talk about that the whole show, but that that's really important to me. I'd love to uh, share that with anybody else as far as if they got questions on it, uh, don't feel, don't hesitate to reach out. Cause I, I really like talking about that and I'm super meticulous about how I um, work through people and the other parties uh, references, everything that they told me on the phone um, as a applicant, it better match what the references say. Otherwise I'm being lied to. Hmm. Now that that's uh, some great stuff that you actually value, you know, that small school experience because you know that they are going to have to fight and, and be creative and find a way to get through things. And yeah, I think that's that's important. And yeah, that's why I have a lot of respect for you. Want to get you on here because you know I'm at a D two, and right before the D two, I was at a Power Five, so it was a wake up call when you have to literally be everything and do everything to get that program up and running. So I think that's, that's important. And you had also mentioned that, you know, you worked with the athlete uh, administration and you, you know, found a way to justify a lot of the stuff and build your program. Where did you learn that? Or what was the best way you went about doing that? Cause a lot of new time, uh, first time head strength coaches are going to, run into that and, you know, you're not to deal with an administration frequently and a lot of paperwork and do all that stuff. And, you know, if you don't, if you hadn't learned that in your an assistantship or your internship, it's going to be hard, a, a steep learning curve. So how did you prepare yourself or learn the best way to handle administration? Yeah, I think when I started NAU, my first two years, just coach my ass off. That's all I did. I didn't ask the head guy any questions. I just did my job. I went for it and I did a lot of reading. Um, one book that ties into this is Lynchpin. I believe it's by Seth Godin, if I, I didn't misspeak there. But that that book some kind of delves in and summarizes some of the things that I'm, I'm hitting on too. That, that's a really, really good one, making yourself indispensable. Uh, and then I started realizing, hey, I want to be a head strength coach. And I, I had an interview very early in my career for a head position. It was eye-opening. I realized I'm not ready for this. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. And all these, this list of things that I didn't know yet. So that's when I, I started asking different questions uh, outside of just programming to, to the head guy. And um, again, going back to Cody Hodgson, he let me um, pick his brain and was, was very transparent about things. Uh, whether it's what I wanted to hear or not, it was very transparent and helped me 
learn how to have those conversations with administrators. The athletic director doesn't care how much stronger anybody got. You can tell them that. And I think that's nice for them to hear it because that's your job. You're supposed to get them stronger. So they're like, yeah, good job. You're not going to get a high five or a raise or a sticker for that. Like you did your job. Um, But they want to hear, they are numbers people. And so when they start hearing reduced risk of injury, which means less surgeries and less expense to the school, that's a pro. So you got to get with your athletic trainer to help build that um, that, that trust. And that's, that's gotta be a tremendous, tremendous relationship between strength conditioning and athletic training. Uh, and then additionally, I was able to sit in and this is just me just prodding, just pushing. And, uh, we had a really good administration, uh, there. Um, I was able to sit in on his monthly meeting with the athletic director and just to be a fly on the wall. Like they're trying to involve me in the meeting. I don't want to be involved. I want to listen. I don't want to say a word. They were kind of pushing me to speak a little bit. Like, I don't even know what, what to say or do. I'm just happy to be here in this same room and, and listen to what you're talking about. And by sitting in and listening on those meetings, as soon as um, I got to Lamar, I set those up with our athletic director monthly meeting because I I knew what it was supposed to look like. And ultimately what's going to happen is you just build that trust and that relationship over time through communication, being on the same page, then you can start. Uh, And that's how the GA positions evolved at Lamar. position. I did not meet these because I built credibility in advance and it's not always going to work that way. I've seen situations I've been in those where it doesn't work that way. And I get that. And you got to respect it and understand that um, it's not a, perfect system but you still have to keep doing your job at a high level because everybody's going to say they're understaffed underpaid for what they do uh, but the ones that are willing to sacrifice and continue to fight those are the ones that are going to get jobs and keep jobs and and keep moving forward and the athletic directors will see that Uh, they will value that all of a sudden they get a a job at a school that you want to be at and they're looking for a strength coach and now they can compensate you the way you you um, are, are deserving of, I mean, there, there's just so many doors and opportunities that'll open for you. And, um, it, it's every day, every year, this, this cycle of coaching changes and different things happen. It's like, Oh, I know that coach they're up for a head coach position or the athletic director position. So that, that stuff evolves and it grows. So, uh, you got to take care of everybody, um, all, all the way down to your, your custodian. Cause those people make your job a lot easier too, especially in COVID times. We have a custodian who comes in and fogs every day for us. I mean, he, he's the unsung hero of what we're doing right now. But if I had to do that, then take away from these other things. And then I wouldn't have good relationships with our administrators. So uh, those are just kind of a few nuggets that I think are super valuable. No, definitely. And, and I've been lucky enough to talk to a few coaches over the last couple of weeks about this. And that's been a recurring theme was, you know, treat everybody with respect and, you know, try to, you know, respect what they do and in hopes that, you know, they'll respect you. But also, you know, I had a couple coaches on here who said, you know, the, it was an athletic director who was an assistant AD who got them their next job. And so, you know, don't just treat the strength staff with the respect, treat everybody with respect and the custodian and just, you know, I think it's a, a very good thing to have as a base no matter where you're at whether you're a strength coach or you're a ceo of a fortune 500 companies you know that mutual respect uh you know what would you say to a younger strength coach or like a coach that's just coming off a graduate assistantship or they're just finishing up an internship what's some advice you would give to that 
that younger strength coach that's about to take that next step. Be willing to do the things that others aren't. So my example is University of Texas. I interned there in the summer of 2010. Took a calculated risk first off to even go there. I'm from Buffalo, New York, small um, winter snow town, and just took a, a shot in the dark. And, and I was fortunate enough to even get an interview and have a connection to, to get me an interview. Um, went down there. I'm one of 12 interns. I didn't know that until I got there. Like, oh, how am I going to separate myself? I don't know any of you. I don't know what experience you bring or your background. Eventually you learn that, but I immediately had to make a positive impact because uh, otherwise I'm not going to get a job. I literally went there to gain contacts, to improve my resume, put a big school on my resume and get a job. And I assumed that everybody else went there for that. And that wasn't always the case, but I immediately started finding something that needed to get done uh, on a regular basis and, and then took it over. And that was filling the fridges and Texas had a lot of fridges and I'm sure they still do. So I'm, I'm carting around cases of muscle milk and, and rock and refuel all over that facility. Hard to miss a guy who's carrying 10 boxes of muscle milk around uh, all the way across the entire facility and filling those things out and facing it off, not just doing it. I am filling the fridge. I am facing off every single day doing it at a high level. And even if they don't notice that when I leave, cause everybody's going to leave at some point, And then that next week that I'm not there, the fridges don't, somebody's going to notice that. And that literally had a word about it then, or even till now, 10 years ago, but that's how you need to operate. Uh, if something needs to be clean, you clean it. Uh, and, here I am, the head strength coach. Um, I was making PB&J sandwiches today for our, our local kids that came in and lifted. You're not going to be, you're not just immune to that when you become a head strength coach. You're going to have to do things that are out of your comfort level or things that you don't think maybe are within your pay scale your entire career. Uh, we clean our weight room weekly, and I'm 100% a part of that every time. Uh, if I get pulled to a meeting to, to miss that, I'm I feel like I let my staff down. That's how important that is. We all have to take a role in that. Um, so I think you got to do the things that other people aren't willing to do because the ones that don't want to do it aren't going to make it in the field. Uh, they're super competitive. They got to understand that. We'll be right back. Flex is the latest product to enter the velocity-based training market. Developed by the team at GymAware, Flex is the only laser-based system available. And it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub $500 category. That's right, you heard it, sub $500 barbell velocity tracker. And that's easy to use. It's wireless and yes, it's portable. It's specifically designed for individual use with its own social platform and automatic training log. Flex captures all the critical performance and technique metrics that people demand from a VBT device. Velocity, power, bar path, range of motion, and even bar position. Live feedback is delivered through the Flex app on every lift and all the data is automatically stored for review. Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from its competition at flexstronger.com slash vbtfuture. Again, that's flexstronger.com slash vbtfuture. Oh, that's always a really good thing to maintain that mentality and 
even as a, as a head guy, not only advice for younger coaches, but as, as a head strength coach, you've got to maintain that, that mentality of willing to put in the work and do the things that nobody else wants to do. Um, and I'm looking at, you know, your history and you actually have a, a, a bachelor's in athletic training. So I, I want to ask you what, what made you realize you didn't want to be an athletic trainer and what brought you to the strength game? And then also how that helped you having the athletic training background has helped you become a better strength coach. Got it. So that the AT background, I was a computer engineer and playing baseball at a Juco. I wasn't a very good baseball player and the computer engineering was over my head. So I had to make some decisions. I uh, ended up not, not playing baseball. I transferred to Canisius college and I got into athletic training. The whole reason I got into it is I still love sports and I wanted to stay with it. All my early memories are of sports, played baseball, basketball, and, and football for a few years. And I had a buddy who played baseball with me in high school, who was at Canisius College, said, hey, come try this. I'm the first in my family to go to college. I just, I just go. Like, I don't really – I wanted to do research, but I didn't even know what that meant at the time. It was just very new to the whole, whole – uh, collegiate situation so went and did athletic training i was like, hey this is good I'm, I'm with sports i got to work with a bunch of different teams there and i really enjoyed that but i didn't I, I had too much energy and enthusiasm for them to come into the kind of this clinic setting and me to ask them how they're feeling today how do you feel today how's your knee today like i'm sick of asking you how you feel I want to work. I want to work on a different level. And I didn't know what that was yet. I didn't know strength conditioning existed yet. It was literally right above the athletic training room. You keep hearing these thuds on the ground and it didn't register to me that somebody's actually leading that and, and like coaching it and, and people are having enthusiasm and excitement about lifting weights. And so I had a professor who at Canisius took a class with him. He had, been the strength coach at Canisius College for 20 years and was retired. And they just brought in a new coach. He'd just been retired a year prior. And he talked to that strength coach without me knowing about it and basically set up a volunteer internship. That's how clueless I am. I didn't even set it up. They set it up for me. And the head strength coach approached me um, about volunteering. I was like, that sounds cool. I didn't know I could. I didn't know you did that. I just didn't know anything. And so I got to, to volunteer and that started a two year um, volunteer window and to strength conditioning while I'm finishing my athletic training background uh, degree rather. And now the opportunity to have an athlete, I thought I was gonna have to transfer again. I was like, great. The, uh, I screwed up. I'm going to transfer to the third school and start all over with strength conditioning. And they're like, no, 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 they, they, they're together. They're the same. You'll actually be better off. And sure enough, I, I had a couple of good people that really, really helped me guide guide me on this and uh, they were 100% right the athletic training background has made me such a better strength coach uh, in programming and just being proactive uh, rather than reactive to a lot of situations and trends that you see in injuries so um, it, it was kind of a bridge between the extreme of what I shouldn't have been doing and the extreme of where I ended up now that's a that's a great story and I think it's actually pretty unique and actually very of the the staff to actually set it up for you and be like look look you probably are better fit for uh for this other stuff go give it a shot and, and then like you said the rest is history and, and set you up on that path uh what is it like working 
how, what kind of relationship have you gone to build with your athletic training staff at, at Lamar? I know you got the administrative side of things and you got your staff. What about your athletic training staff? Every single school I've been at, my athletic training relationship is number one. Uh, it's, it's super easy for me to walk in there. And hardly any strength coach can do this. And I have an athletic training background. I get what you do. I respect what you do. I, I literally have done it as a student. I've done the hours. I've, I've traveled. I've taped the ankles. Like, I get it. Uh, I don't want to do it, but I get it and I respect it. And that immediately breaks down barriers just for me. Now, all right, so you don't have an athletic training background. Just go down the hall or across the way, wherever it is, and initiate the conversation. Uh, as soon as they're new, we just had a new athletic trainer a year and a half ago. I was the first one to greet them in their office. I, mean, I literally followed them, got there that day. And, hey, how, how are things? You need help moving in. Like, you, you can be that person. That'll start your relationship off really positively. Uh, and then you get into, I value what you say. I don't expect athletic trainers to come over and say, oh, we're squatting today. We probably shouldn't do that but I'm not going to go over there and tell them what treatment the student athlete needs for an ankle sprain either. Uh, we, we respect each other's lanes. And if they tell me that somebody needs to be single leg today, I I'll inquire about the injury and their status, but I'm not going to, I'm not going against what they just told me. That's their medical decision. And I have to go with that. And I think that could kind of create some, some rifts between strength conditioning and athletic training. And if you don't feel like they're sharing that, what are you doing to inquire? Uh, you can sit in your office and complain about it, or you can go over there and actually have a conversation. You say that they don't come to you. Well, did you go to them? It's a two-way street. So I think everybody has responsibility there. Um, and I force my staff. That's just part of what we do. They, they don't know it any different. Uh, you need to go over and you need to have a conversation with the athletic trainer, new GA, new full-timer. They've been here. They've worked with these student-athletes. You need to go talk to them and get information about injury trends and issues uh, of that nature. So that way you can start building your program. They come in. Yeah, I know how to write a soccer program. This just happened with my recent GA. I was like, no, you don't need to write that right now. Before they were hired, I hired them over the phone, but they didn't, they weren't on campus yet. And like, yeah, I wrote my soccer program. Like, no, no, you didn't. You haven't met with anybody yet. You haven't met with the soccer coach to, to get their input. You haven't met with the athletic trainer to get their input. Uh, they've all worked with this team for multiple years and you haven't. So why don't you wait on that instead of writing a generic program, write what we actually need. So when athletic trainers and all even the end of a, a season and certainly as even as the season progresses and you start seeing trends, go have that conversation with them. Hey, is there something you're seeing? Are they doing something at practice? Because I don't go to every practice, but the athletic trainers there every day. They can give you some valuable insight. You put the, together what they're saying, what the sport coach is saying, what the student athletes are saying. You put all that together and figure out, okay, well, why are we getting these overuse injuries? Where, where is the overuse? Uh, is this something that I can adapt or adjust? Do I need to have a conversation with somebody? I think if we're all in constant communication with that, um, th then it works. And we've all got to remember our common goal. I don't love everybody that that is in my athletics department. Uh, there's a lot of great people. We have great uh, great staff. Um, uh, I speak very highly of them, but you're going to get along with some people better than others. And you've got to understand that your goal and your objective is what's in the best interest of the student athlete's health and well-being. If your ego and your, your negative relationship with somebody, sport coach, athletic trainer, whoever it is, isn't on point and the athlete 
is the one suffering, then you've screwed up. You need to put those issues aside, make sure the athlete's getting uh, treated properly and handled properly uh, to them being set up for success. Yeah, I really, I really like that. It's a, it's about the student athlete, you know, put your, you know, your ego aside. And I know that could be a tough thing, especially for any coach uh, that's kind of proved their worth and proved that they can be there full time. Now, if you could pick up the phone and call Dan Darcy from five years ago, what would you tell him? Hey, I was ready for this question. I knew exactly what I was going to say. So five, All right, here we five go. years ago, I was just unknowingly in my last few months at Northern Arizona. And I just relentlessly committed myself to strength conditioning. I read every book I could. Uh, I watched every Coach Mac podcast. I literally didn't miss one. Uh, I've watched every, everything, read everything that I possibly could engulf myself in the research and you name it. I didn't take time for myself to go out like Northern Arizona has these beautiful mountains. I had a mountain bike. I purposely bought that. I mountain biked twice when I was there in six years, uh, I needed to do better, um, getting, getting out of the strength conditioning world on, uh, I credit like my, my ability to get to where I am. It was because I was so committed to that. But when you look back on it, it's like I could have done better. I, I literally had a mountain in my backyard. Why am I not hiking it? Like something else for myself. And so I, uh, that's something as soon as I, I made the, the move and I left there, I was like, wow, I could have done better there. And so improved because like I asked on my interviews, Hey, what's your weakness? There's my weakness. Now, how are you overcoming that? How, how are you improving your weakness? Well, now I live, it's 30 minutes to, to the ocean, probably about 45 minutes to, to get to some actually open beach. Uh, I go there as often as I possibly can. Uh, certainly during the semester, it's not very practical. Um, but, but I'll go there. I've got a couple dogs now. I mean, we, I'm intentional about doing those things now. Uh, I've gone to the beach more times than I can count in four and a half years now like that. That's intentional. So, you, Hey, you got to know your shortcoming, but then what are you doing to improve it uh, as a young coach as well? And so that, that was a big one for me. Uh, that That's some great advice. And it's always good to, yeah, you actually, not only do you know it and you've actually been working on it. And I think that's a, always a great thing. Now what's next for coach Darcy? I know, you know, when you're at a smaller school, I mean, you have, you directly impact and know everything that's going on in your program. So what's next for you guys at, at Lamar? What's something that you're looking forward to, you know, in the next year or so? You're right. But I, I think that everything kind of got a little stagnant as far as you're, everybody's making progress, right? We're building this program, doing these things. I think we kind of hit a, a halting stop there for a moment. And so now we can start picking up kind of where we left off. And I, I tell my staff this all the time. Um, but I want to be the best department on campus, not just in athletics, but the best department on campus. I want the president to start sending people over who aren't leading their departments very well, or at least in his eyes, and ask what we're doing. Has that happened? No. no nobody's coming over and asking me how I run nine department. But that, that's the level that I want to be at. And so the things we need to do are obviously multifactorial and being able to grow grow the staff from three staff members to five plus the, the part-time 
dietitian allows me to to zoom out a little bit more again because I think I've been zoomed in for uh, for a while. You come in kind of zoomed out, then once you kind of get your your bearings as a as a new coach, assistant, or 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 GA or, or head, uh, I think you kind of get back into it. And now I've got to I got to be able to zoom back out again and see. Okay, here's what we've got. This is stable. This is strong. We can keep this going. How can we add to it now? How can we evolve it? How can we grow it? Uh, how can I continue to grow my staff? I mean, all those kinds of things um, need to go into it. So that's not a, a direct answer to, to your question. Um, but I, I think it, it requires, I think we're at the point now where we need to zoom out, reassess. What are our goals? Are we achieving those? If not, what do we need to do? differently uh and how can i maximize my staff is a question i just asked them on, in our semester and eval is is there a strength that you have that we're not utilizing right now and that all kind of that, that kind of made them all ponder and think for a second like I, i'm not sure because if there's something they're really good at and we're short on it and i just don't i'm short-sighted and i don't see that but they identify it, then let's, let's address that. Like in the past, it was social media. Um, we didn't have any social media for our strength conditioning department. And so especially I'm glad we got it because then when COVID hit, we were able to, to manufacture and push out our, our content uh, for, for those at home programs. So it ended up being super beneficial. Um, but what, what's, what's next? I put it on them just as much as I do on myself of, of where do we need to go from here? Hmm. Now that, that's uh, actually a very unique thing I, I hear actually rarely in, in in our industry, but you know I've been lucky enough to go to business school and you hear about these kind of evaluations all the time. Where did where did you hear about that? Where did it come up where I'm gonna value my assistants and my staff enough to ask them like, what do you need or what is your strength that we can work on? Two things. You, I have to be able to trust you for a GA that may take a year. It may take half of your time with me for me to legitimately trust you and ask you that question. And to me, trust is built on a lot of small tasks done at a high level over time. It's really hard to gain my trust and it's really easy to lose it. So that's a big one. Uh, the, the actual question itself came from a book I should have read probably about four or five years ago before I led Lamar, uh, but 360 degree leader um, uh, by uh, Maxwell and just finished that a, a month ago. And it made me do the same thing. Like, Oh, that's a good question. Realizing uh, like they may do some stuff that maybe they play guitar enough that that's valuable strength issue, but they may play guitar. I don't even know that, but that's a strength for them. Is there something else that they can do? that I don't even realize uh, just because I haven't asked. So go, so we haven't gotten a response yet. I think they're still pondering it. So we'll, we'll see what they come up with. <laughs> nice. Nice. And is that, so you have a end of semester eval. I know a lot of coaches have like an end of the year eval, but you have an end of semester eval. Uh, is it kind of just, here's what we did well, here's what we didn't do well, or is it, is it a pretty thorough, like, questionnaire how do you go about developing your staff like that yeah so i do it three times a year it used to be twice started training a lot of teams during the summer we were there so much like i, I need to give you feedback at the end of summer so we'll do two or three and i go qualitative uh, i don't do a bunch of you're a three for command on the floor that doesn't tell anybody anything so i, I put qualitative i, I put and this is just something I've made up and I, I'm always looking to advance and evolve it, but here's what you do really well. 
and some of those things may be personality traits. And if you, if you played a um, sport before collegiately, you're naturally going to have some buying with the student athletes that that's good. Uh, I think that relatability is highly valuable, but at the same time, you still have to know your business or you're not going to be able to keep their, their attention as you go. Uh, then I, I go on to the, the cons list, which is things that they need to improve upon and young coaches. It's a lot of times it comes up as voice um, command of the room, those kinds of things. Um, programming is always one. Okay. You just did year one GA. Now, what are you going to do to make your two better? Cause you had this complaint or this issue with an athlete or this issue with your coach. How are you going to proactively address those concerns? And so those are kind of the, the common ones. And then I have an other section and that's where that, that question of, about is there a strength that you have that we're not utilizing comes up. And I always ask them about being able to, you got, you got to take what your athletic director is looking for. They want to engage the community both as an athletics department, as well as the, the um, town as a whole. If you, if they have ideas on how to engage them, I need to know about it. We had our share of hurricanes come through this year and some folks were out without power for a while. And so I went to our idea. I said, what, I know you, you know people in town. I don't, but can is there something we can do? Uh, we ended up giving ice out to the folks that, that didn't have power and just throwing it in the back of vehicles and in coolers. Like that, that was us reaching out to the community. And so being able to help others uh, community-wise, but also in the athletics department, uh, I always ask people to try to, my staff to try to help me find better ways to do that because I don't think outside the box as well as I could or should. So that's what they're there for is to cover me. Uh, definitely. I think that's... That, that's awesome. You just keep giving good tidbits of advice. It's just that you run your program, not so much like a traditional weight room, but you run your program with you and your staff that you do a lot on, on staff development, but also, you know, some outside the box thinking that is going to, I think a bit benefits all, all strength coaches to, you know, help our profession continue to move forward. Uh, do you have any uh, social media shout out that you want to give out or what's the best way our listeners could either reach out and ask you some follow-up questions or just tune in to what Lamar university strength and sports performance has. Yeah. You asked me for those links. And of course I gave you Lamar university strength conditioning, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I've got my staff helping run those. Um, the best way to contact me directly would be my email. Uh, it's daniel.darcy at lamar.edu. And then um, more times than not, I'd rather have a conversation with you over the phone than, than talk through an email. So um, I'd, I'd give you my number at that point. But my, my office number's on the website too. So uh, you can, yeah, you leave me a message. I'd, I'd be happy to talk. Absolutely. Now I want to say thank you for, you know, coming on the podcast. I know, you know, I've, I've worked with you. I've been lucky enough to work with you on, on the merge, which is a virtual internship that we had going on with a few other schools. And you know, I got a lot of respect for your, your program and you as a coach, because yeah, hey, like you said, adversity kind of is a common link. And you and I have a pretty similar background, how much we've had to fight and work our way up and be involved because you know nothing was really handed to either one of our programs and and you continue to work and make it better so i appreciate you coming on on the podcast and and sharing your insight and and how you guys go about doing things because you know everybody's noticing you guys got something good there and, and you keep working on it 
I appreciate you for having me on. It's been a blast and uh, I look forward to, to continuing to build our relationship. Absolutely. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.